Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of SageCast. My name is Asan. My name is Maho. And today we are talking about culture. To help us with this episode, we have the wonderful Caitlin Wan. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, everyone. Uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, sure. Like Asan said, my name is Caitlin Wan. I am currently a sophomore majoring in computer science. I work on SACE as the profession- one of the co-professional chairs. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. This is a really exciting episode for me. I love talking about culture and we would like to go into more detail from the three of us in this topic. Yes, so first I think we'd like to uh, tell everyone what cultures each of us represent. So, Caitlin, you want to start off with that? Yeah, um, I represent the Cantonese culture from China. Uh, I am from Kyrgyzstan, Central Asia. And I am Japanese, so I represent the beautiful country of Japan. Maho loves Japan. I do, I do. It's just a running joke in says my love for Japan. <laughs> so on that note, let's dive straight into it. Um, I think that always an interesting topic when it comes to culture is like different schooling or like education systems. I personally went to Japanese school for 12 years, which um, follows the same curriculum as the one in Japan. So I wonder if either of you guys have like a similar experience or just, you know, had schooling in your native countries? Uh, my schooling was completely different, at least until I arrived to the United States. But in Kyrgyzstan, uh, yeah, I'd say the education system is drastically different. Uh, first of all, students usually go until their 11th year of schooling, uh, unlike the 12 years. And another remarkable difference is the fact that once you select a school to, to attend, you will start first grade and you will stay in that school until you graduate. Mm. So we do not separate them by middle school, elementary school, high school. Uh, once you start the school, that's kind of your school. And beyond that, you have the same set of classmates while you are in school. So. The classmates you meet as a first grader are the same individuals that you'll end up graduating with. Oh. Uh, and every class that you take, you take it collectively. So unlike in America, you don't really get to uh, pick your own classes. Mm -hmm. And each class has like a different set of classmates. In Kyrgyzstan, you have your own crew and you, ha you take the same exact classes. And there are definitely pros and cons to that. Um, cons, you probably don't get to meet a lot of other students the way you do in America. But at the same time, because you have spent such a long amount of time with the same people, uh, you are inevitably building a much stronger bond with them. Mm -hmm. And you essentially are making lifelong friends. And even though I moved to America after my eighth grade, uh, some of those people are still my lifelong friends and I'm going to be friends with them for a very long time. And for me, it's just uh, the bonding aspect is very strong as far as the educational system. Mm. And I suppose another big difference would be uh, the fact that you do end up taking a lot more classes 
Uh, I remember uh, in high school, I would I signed up for six classes for the whole year, and those kind of like the same schedule for uh, for every day uh, throughout the whole year. Where in Kyrgyzstan, in my school, I probably had about 15 to 20 classes a week, like different classes. And every single day you have a different schedule. Normally you have eight classes a day and you are literally taking classes like geography, history of Russia, history of Kyrgyzstan, American history, um, and a lot of different subjects that are somewhat related like geometry, algebra. You might be taking those classes at the same time throughout the week. Unlike here in America where you take your algebra and then you take your geometry class and you move to pre-calculus and you keep building on top of that. So I'd say those are uh, pretty big differences from my experience. Interesting. Yeah, for me, um, I never. I was born in China, but I never went to school there because I moved to the U.S. when I was two. Um, but I think like the Chinese education structure is like three years of like preschool, six years of primary, and then like six six years of um, like higher mm-hmm. education school. But, like, similar to you, I think you went to, like, did you go to um, your, Maho, did you go to your uh, Japanese school, like, on Saturdays? Yeah. yeah, so I did a similar thing for Chinese school. Um, I got sent to Chinese school for maybe almost 10 years of my life. Um, and I went to this school in Flushing, Queens, New York called um, modern chinese school and it's um and that's that's like the translation of it modern chinese school (laughs) and it it was so so rough it we did like we followed like the chinese um education system kind of it was by books Mm -hmm. like you're you like level up you graduate from each book um and i finished up till i think the sixth book it i think it took uh some books had like a b books but some of them were just one level i'm not sure but i remember starting off at like um the lowest class called pinyin and i think it's similar to um like so pinyin is like the uh american uh, the romanized spelling of chinese so um so let's say pinguo is apple p-i-n-g G-U-O oh. is the pinyin. So gotcha. it's like the oh. phonetic spelling of that makes sense. Um, the the word. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I went there like every single Saturday mm. since elementary school through middle school. Wait, uh, just to clarify. So you attended the regular American uh, school, but on yeah. Saturdays you attended your Chinese yeah. school. Wow, so that's like two different school. schools mm-hmm. at the yeah. same time. Uh, how difficult was it for you to maintain two different different educational systems? Um, I think it wasn't as hard because I was young and like I had my mom to like like look over me yeah. and make sure I'm doing my work. As I got older, it got a lot harder because I wanted to do like other things. Mm-hmm. But when I was younger, my mom would like make me dedicate time to my Chinese class because we had Chinese homework. So I had regular uh-huh. school homework and then I had Chinese homework, which is Chinese homework is so tedious because <laughs> to learn. Mm-hmm. So in Chinese, each word is one like picture. Mm-hmm. So you have to know every single picture for each 
wow. item. Okay. So a lot of um, a lot of the like the homework for Chinese school was writing the words over and over Same and over word. again. And you have to like follow a specific stroke. Oh my god! I know the strokes. <laughs> they made you yeah. memorize the strokes and like somehow yeah. they could tell like on a written test if you wrote the strokes in a different order, and I would get points off for that. Or like, oh, you didn't do this specific stroke like correctly. It has to be more angled, or like you have to like stroke out or something. And then one of my teachers, it was like my third grade teacher, because we, so like. My school was also like I would do normal American school during the week, and then on Saturdays I would go to Japanese school, um, and it was for us there wasn't specific like levels or anything. It's just like normal grades, and then you do you do the homework, do the, tech, the mm-hmm. and then get the textbooks and stuff. But yeah, um, I always remember that I would never study for my written like. Kanji tests or like character tests on time, so I would just cram yeah. it on the way to school, <laughs> and then I was oh, just wow. like, "Did you have to do um something called like? Did they like say the word out and you had to write it? There was, well, for in Japanese, it's just like, um, so there's, I don't know, so um, hiragana is like hiragana mm-hmm. is the um like the very basic one, and then kanji is the specific characters that represent like a word, but oh, are those are like the some of the Chinese ones that are in Japan, yeah, it's like Japanese. kind of some of them are similar to Chinese ones, and you can the how you read the kanji like you could write it out in hiragana. So what they would do is they would write uh-huh. like what the kanji is supposed to be in hiragana, and then they'd be like, okay, what's the kanji for this, and then you would oh, have okay. to remember in my tiny brain wow. and be like it's this one and then oh ah. yeah so hard. i i used to take tests where my uh my teacher would just say the word out and you had to write it mm. and it's called tinshes and they were so hard <laughs> they were my least favorite part and your saturday school was it always in your respective languages it was never really in english right we weren't allowed to speak english in school because so many of us are like um, citizens like U.S. citizens. So ultimately, um, you you're basically stuck with the same people from like kindergarten to like the final like. For us, there's only only up to the eleventh grade because if you stayed mm. till the twelfth grade, we would go to college. Um, up to okay. the eleventh grade, but you know the group would get smaller and smaller and smaller because so many people would have to go back to Japan, and ultimately the only people that are left are just like U.S. citizens. And obviously, sometimes you know the English slips out. And they would always like, no, this is Japanese school. You can't speak English in Japanese school. But that's uh, interacting with your classmates, right? The education itself is mostly in your own language. It's all, yeah, it's all. 100%. Okay. Wow. Yeah, for me, um, like, it, the school that I went to was Chinese school, but it was also, like, extracurricular mm. schools. So my day would go from... Um, I think it was 9 a.m. until 12 would be Chinese classes, so three hours of Chinese class, and then we would do a break for lunch for an hour, and then I would have, like, an hour and a half of math class, and then an hour and a half of, like, writing class, and then an hour and a half of, like, English classes, 
Um, but then I think at the end of the day, they always left, left us an hour to do what we wanted. So it would be like ping pong or like <laughs> keyboard or um, like board games. So it was that like last hour of just like free time after a whole day of studies. Wow. That's actually something I wanted to ask the kinds of classes you would take on Saturdays. And you mentioned that you had a designated period for taking a math class. So you're taking a math class in your on your Saturday school and simultaneously in your weekly school, right? Do they yeah, do they ever so then, contradict or conflict with each other? Well, what made it really nice is that my Saturday school was a lot more advanced than Me my too. regular high Me school. Me too. Wow. So I was I would always like learn new things at Saturday school and then wow. um, apply them in my regular school. But it's always like the year a year or two ahead. Yeah. A year or two ahead. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. I, it was like the exact same thing for Japan because the Japanese curriculum is a lot more advanced. Like you learn things like one or two years ahead and then I would see them in American school and be like, oh, wait, I know this already. But after a certain point, like the curriculum is so different from what we do mm-hmm. here. Like, I feel like in Japan, it's not divided like algebra, pre-calc, calculus. It's just like, mm. you just learn everything as you go. It just like snowballs mm. into, like into more advanced things. So after a certain point, I couldn't apply it anymore. And I was like, no. Uh. Uh, my school was um, more like Americanized, where they would have speci- the specific classes for um, like, because it was more of like support and learning for American schools. Mm. Very interesting. Yes. And uh, I suppose I have one more question regarding your Saturday school. <laughs> um, how common is it for Japanese and Chinese people to participate in Saturday school in their respective uh, educational systems? Like, did your friends also attend a Saturday school, or was it, or is it a little more selective depending on each family? Mm-hmm. Uh, for Japanese school I think it's definitely more selective because the majority of Japanese students in America they like probably came from Japan because of their family's work or something and they were eventually going to go back and in mm. Japan you have to take entrance eh, entrance exams for middle school high school and college and the preparation oh, wow. for that is absolutely insane like really? even in Japan parents would send their kids to like um, like tutoring classes or like specialized courses to prepare for those exams. So if kids were eventually expected to go back to Japan, they would only come to Japanese school for like a year or something, and then they would have to transfer gotcha. over to a more specialized school. But um, like for me, obviously I'm staying here, so my parents were like, "We want you to retain the Japanese," and that's why they sent me. Like they wanted to keep me in the culture and make sure that. I would still be fluent in like reading and writing. A lot of my Chinese friends also went to Chinese school on Saturdays. So if I was ever like wanting to relate to anybody, like, hey, like, Saturday school is really hard. And be like, oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Like, it it was rough this week. Um, but I feel like it. My family sent me there because um, they wanted me to learn Mandarin. Mm-hmm. So the man, so the Chinese school I went to was a, um, it. It uh, taught Mandarin and not Cantonese. So at home, I would be speaking Cantonese, and then I would be learning Mandarin in my Saturday school. 
Wow. So that was the reason why they sent me. How different okay. is Mandarin and Cantonese? Very different. Oh. Um, it sounds somewhat similar, but okay. So, like, give me give me a random sentence. Uh, I love uh, these two hosts. <laughs> the what? I love my podcast hosts. <laughs> oh. I don't know how. To it's so okay, specific. Say... It'll probably be very. <laughs> it's very specific. Like, I'm gonna like, say like... I like these two people. Yeah. Okay. There I'm you go. I'm gonna say I like these two people. Okay. Um. So in Cantonese is mm-hmm. ni Okay. And then in Mandarin is Huh. Is there any similarity, at all, or is it just did, completely did it different? Very different. It did it sound very different for me. It's. Like I think there's no like written form of Cantonese. I don't think oh. uh, there might be, but I it's not mm. very like known or popular. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So it's still written the same. It's just spoken differently. Really, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, my mind is a little bit blown because you're <laughs> saying that essentially it's the same thing that you're saying, but the way you say it is different, right? Yeah, so let's say I go outside is in Cantonese is and then in Mandarin is But it would have been spelled the same way. It's it's written the same and spelled oh, the same, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not that complicated in Japanese. We just one way. Unless like dialects. Yeah, dialects, but right. yeah, and there are a lot of dialects. There's so many Chinese dialects, like the dialect that Anna, NSU, and Jackson speak is FJ Fujianese, uh-huh. and I can't understand a single word they really? say. Really? Oh. Okay. If they speak, even though like graphically, like um, geographically, mm-hmm. um, FJ is very close to um, Guangzhou, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very different. Um, but sometimes FJ people do learn Cantonese as well, so they know that. Gotcha. But my family personally, um, we're Hakka, so we speak like the Hakka dialect. Well, I don't speak it. I can understand it, but I can't speak it. <laughs> and what exactly is Hakka? Um, it's just a group of people. Is it like, like a from... regional geographical? Yeah, it's a regional dialect. Okay. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. Are there dialects in Kyrgyzstan, too, or just one? Uh, yeah, are there? Yeah, in, in Kyrgyzstan, I grew up speaking both my native language, which is Kyrgyz language, mm-hmm. and Russian language. Um, as far as dialects, I suppose you could call them dialects, but it's not so different to the point where you would not be able to understand another mm-hmm. person speaking. Like, I grew up I was born and grew up in the southern part of Kyrgyzstan. Uh, my city was called Osh, and it had a southern accent to the Kyrgyz language. And um, the southern part of Kyrgyzstan geographically is closer to another country called Uzbekistan. Mm. And in that city, we also have uh, quite a large population of Uzbeks, and they have their own language. And because of that infusion, uh, a lot of the Kyrgyz words have uh, mixed with Uzbek language as well. So, and growing up, obviously, I was a kid, I, I had no idea. But eventually, I ended up moving to the northern part of Kyrgyzstan. Oh. And I tried to speak uh, my native language. 
but I was immediately spotted as a southerner uh, because of the way I spoke. And that, that was the first time when I realized that, okay, like, even though I'm sp speaking the same language, but there are some differences. And I looked into it a little more uh, when I was uh, growing up. And it turns out that, yeah, we do in fact have some dialects. You can still communicate, but it will definitely give away where you're from. And uh, I grew up speaking Kyrgyz. Uh, mostly uh, in, in the streets with my friends, uh, mm -hmm. with my family that was raising me at the time. However, with my parents, uh, I mostly spoke Russian and I did go to a Russian speaking school growing up. So I, I had a pretty strong balance between both languages uh, growing up. But in Russian, I, I don't think there are any dialects. If you speak Russian, you can speak Russian anywhere. And there isn't really a way to tell where you're from if you're talking in Russian. Alrighty, now let's move on to something a little more exciting, like food, cuisine. I know we're all foodies and says. <laughs> <laughs> I love food. I love food too. Why don't you start, Maho? Okay. Uh, the food that I'm going to talk about is a little... It's probably going to be quite different from, from your experience. Mm -hmm. Would you I love Japanese food too. Yes, so much food. You know, the I guess the OG food is sushi. That's like, I feel like <laughs> when you say Japan, people are like, oh, like sushi or something. Or just rice, you know. Um, but yeah, I feel like Japanese food when compared to like Chinese food or Korean food, it's a lot less, um, well, I don't want to say that Chinese food is like all spicy, but like we, like our seasonings there's just a lot of similar seasonings amongst all the foods um and not we're not that much of a spicy culture um occasionally there is like you know oh really spicy ramen challenge blah 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 and things like that but um <clears throat> yeah like the traditional food in japan we use a lot of like dashi um like dashi mm -hmm. broth to like season or like soy mm -hmm. sauce and so um you know just a lot of like fermented things blah 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 and these days it's getting a lot westernized like a lot more westernized like when you go to a diner you'll just see the whole entire like western menu or something and but it's funny because even if you say that it's like pasta or like pizza it's obviously made to fit the palate of japanese people so when i go back to japan and i eat like pizza or like a quesadilla or something it's just so it's so different so hmm. Like, even if you try Mexican food in Japan, you're saying that it's going to be completely different than here? Like, obviously there's some similarities, but it's just like, mm -hmm. I, if a Mexican person ate Mexican food in Japan, <laughs> it'll be like, oh, it's not real. I just take a lot of pride in Japanese food because my dad is a sushi chef. So he's oh, been wow, like, okay. he has trained me since he like groomed me since I was a kid and be like, mm. hey, Maho, this is what real sushi is. And I was like, yes, father. My, um, my dad actually, when he came to the U.S., um, when he was 19, the first thing he worked at was at a sushi restaurant. Oh. Mm. So he was trained to like make Japanese food and sushi like since, since then. So then, um, after he was like, he was like, oh, like, I don't want to, like, work for someone anymore. So he started his own Japanese restaurant oh. um, after, like, working in that, like, industry for so long. Mm -hmm. So I love Japanese food so much, too. Because <laughs> I grew up eating it as well. Wow, that's really cool. 
yeah but also growing up chinese i ate so many different foods that are so good like the really <laughs> big ones um hot pot i don't know if you guys know what I that love is hot pot yeah, yes hot yes. pot's <laughs> one of my favorite um like foods because it's such a homey and like bonding activity because mm -hmm. it's usually like your whole family sitting around sitting around the burning pot mm -hmm. and then just eating food together and you like ask each other like oh do you want this one do you mm. want this one let me put in more of this for you and it's very loving and inviting and just so like heartwarming i think yeah i mm. the very first time i tried hot pot was uh, i remember when i went to uh, nurk Yes. Uh, with with a Sage Gang, our conference in yeah, Boston. Yeah, I got really sick. <laughs> yeah, you did. The food was really good. <laughs> Do you think you got sick from the food? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, because no one else got yeah, sick. Yeah, because we all ate. But yeah, I I was uh really really pleasantly surprised by how amazing that experience was. Uh, it did uh break my bank a little bit <laughs> because yeah. it ended up being a little pricey, but it was totally worth it because it was my first time trying hot pot and you mentioned uh, it's such a great bonding activity like uh, circling around food and asking each other what we'd like to eat next and then trying to finish some of the uh, leftovers so we don't pay the extra <laughs> but uh, it was just a really cool experience overall and I'm glad that I got to do it with Sage. Mm -hmm. uh, for for Kyrgyz food um, I, I don't no, it would have a trademark food like hot pot or sushi, but we do eat a lot of meat. Mm. Um, culturally, Kyrgyz people uh, used to be nomads, mm -hmm. and there are still some people who live that lifestyle. And because of that lifestyle, naturally, you have a lot of cattle with you, and that's kind of one of the more primary sources of food. So there are a lot of different types of dishes. Uh, with meats and I also grew up in a culture where we butcher our own meat oh, so wow. yeah so during our special family occasions or like holidays when we have a big gathering of people uh, it's a custom to go buy like a nice fat ship or even uh, a cow and you do it right there. Uh, I used a to help my cow. uncles. Like a whole cow. cow. Yes, it's it's alive, um, and there's a very specific way to do it. Uh, not everyone is allowed to do it because you have mm -hmm. to know the rules. The way you cut your animal uh, can tell a lot about you as a person, oh, how experienced wow. you are, about your age. Oh so like older people looking you who are observing you butcher the animal, they will be judging <laughs> you and they'll be critiquing you. And depending on how you cut it, sometimes they may or may not even choose to eat it because of the oh way you God. did it. Yeah, so it's pretty specific. But growing up, it was pretty natural for me to like help out my uncles where like, I would hold the leg a certain way while they're like skinning the animal. And like, you have to uh, follow very strict traditions on like taking out the intestines and such. I will not go too graphic <laughs> on the episode, but essentially it builds a very strong relationship between the food you eat uh, because you're doing it right there, you know? And meat is certainly a big part of our culture. Um, aside 
from that, I think I actually uh, I'm remembering more of a trademark uh, food item. We have this drink. It's a traditional Kyrgyz drink called kumis, which is uh, fermented mare's milk. And I imagine for you it sounds quite bizarre because it's literally uh, milk from a horse, but that is something that uh, we drink there. And I would not be able to describe the taste. It's definitely on a more sour side, but it's kind of like alcohol, but non-alcoholic, if that makes sense. Yeah, that reminds me. In Japan, we eat horse or like whale. And if you said in America, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I just ate horse last night. I'd be like, that's <laughs> animal abuse. But it's just like traditional to eat. Well, I don't know how traditional it is, but because I've never had horse meat. I have had whale meat though. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, it's just culture. Yeah, we, we also eat horses, uh, not as much as our neighbor country, Kazakhstan, but in Kyrgyzstan, we, we do eat horses. But normally, uh, they are usually associated with funerals. Like if you have a funeral, uh, you usually bring a horse. Or uh, recently, it's become kind of a custom to use horses during weddings as well. But for me personally, it's more about funerals. I did uh, eat horses growing up, and they're tasty, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, <laughs> but uh, right now, uh, in retrospect, I, I don't think I'd be comfortable eating it anymore. I think in the Chinese culture, a lot of our like holidays are related with foods, so each holiday you eat a specific food. Mm -hmm. um, do you know the dragon boat festivals? You know, Lance was a Lance was a rower for that. The dragon boat yeah. team, yeah. So the dragon boat like festival, like the fall um, fall festival, um, we eat um, something called zhongzai. Mm -hmm. In Mandarin, it's zhongzi, and it's um, it's wrapped in leaves, and it's a sticky rice. It's glutinous mm -hmm. rice wrapped in leaves and like tied together with a string. And there's like a whole story behind it. Um, it. Like long, long ago in like the Warring States period, um, there was like a poet, like a super famous guy, and he was like, I'm gonna drown myself in um, uh -huh. a certain day. And the village people like loved him so much and they were like, oh, like we can't have the fish uh, eating his body. So oh, they okay. would, so <laughs> they would throw Zhongzi, they would throw Zhongzai into the water to yeah. get the fish to eat the Zhongzai uh, rather than to eat him. And um, yeah, I know it's, it's a weird story, but now we make Zhongzai every every year, mm. and um, I would always make it with my grandma. And uh, my hands used to be too small to hold it because we make it in a triangular uh -huh. form. Mm -hmm. And she would always be like, oh, you can't do it right. Just let me do it. <laughs> but I would help her, like, put in the fillings. So it's always, like, maybe some, like, pork or um, egg yolks uh, and, like, meat and beans. And um, and it was all wrapped together. Yeah. Mm. For Chinese New Year's, you always have to eat, like, specific foods to, like, increase your yes. luck. Yes, same, same. So, yeah. So we do, like, fish because... Fish is fish in Chinese is yu, um, and it, it sounds like luck. Mm -hmm. um, so it would so the term is nian nian you yu, and so it means like every year you have luck. So every year you have fish. So you always have fish. You always have 
dumplings because they look like money bags. Oh. Um, you always have noodles for longevity. A lot of like, like things that mean a certain thing. Yeah, the same for mm. Japan. Like um, on New Year's, we eat osechi, which is it's basically like a bento box kind of, but um, it again has like the same with Jap- Chinese um, like food. There's specific meanings for each of the things. Like um, for example, you eat like I don't know how to describe. It. It's like sweet um, black beans, I guess. Um, and like bean in Japan is called mame, and there's a word called like mame mame shiku ikiru, and that's like to like live with like good luck. And since mame mame shiku and the word mame is like kind of like goes hand in hand, it's like mm-hmm. if you eat that, it's like good luck. And um, yeah, the noodles like in Japan uh, over like when uh, I don't know what time, but um, when it becomes the new year. Uh, there's 88 um, uh, the bell there's a bell that rings 88 times to signify mm. the new year and welcome it in and when the bell starts ringing you're supposed to um, eat soba because you know the noodles are long and it's longevity uh-huh. and then you, you know like yeah. it's always oh. a family thing like you huddle up around with your family and this is like 11.30 so this is like you actually, you're, you're justified for eating food late at night. <laughs> so you just eat noodles yeah. to your family while you welcome in the new year. Wow. Um, oh, yeah. Another thing that I really wanted to mention is in Kyrgyzstan, we have absolutely amazing fruits. Uh, this is something that I noticed uh, immediately when I came to America. Uh, I went to a grocery store and I got some fruits and I tried them and it was just so different. It tasted almost like flavorless to me compared to Kyrgyzstan. Like the same, if you take apples or peaches, grapes. In Kyrgyzstan, I think because of the climate, uh, we just grow really, really great fruits. Um, and one, one of the first things that I did when I had a chance to visit Kyrgyzstan uh, I, I'm a huge fan of berries, like mm-hmm. raspberries and strawberries, but unfortunately in America they're so expensive, like a little yeah. little package is like five bucks. Um, <laughs> and that's un- unbelievable. But like when I went to Kyrgyzstan, I literally went to a market um, and I got a bucket worth of uh, raspberries mm-hmm. and I just went ham on that. I probably <laughs> finished like half of the bucket in one sitting. And it only cost me like two dollars for the whole bucket, oh. and so I definitely made sure to uh, get as much, uh, as many fruits as I could because I just love fruits. And in Kyrgyzstan, they're a lot more accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also oh sorry also in Japan like the fruits, there's the fruits are about the same, but you know there's like Japanese apples or like Japanese pears that's just different, mm-hmm. and I also think like like Japanese apples are so big they're like three times as big as the apples here so when I eat an mm-hmm. apple here because I'm more used to the ones in America I'm like yeah like you know normal apples and then when I go to Japan and buy apples they're like huge yeah I really like the the Asian pears the Korean pears, oh, yeah. like the yeah. apple the apple pears uh-huh. they're so juicy so watered they are oh. very juicy <laughs> yeah I think the one like famous Chinese food is durian mm. um, 
and Chinese people love to eat durian. Um, it's so like exotic and tropical, but it's very smelly. So mm. I don't know. Have you guys ever tried durian I've before? Never had I I really want to try it. Me I, too. I've heard of really? its infamous scent, but yeah. I heard it tastes really great and it's worth it. So I'm very curious what mm. I would think when I would try it. It kind of looks like a jackfruit, but the inside is more like creamy and like.、Um, I think it's very good because I grew up eating it, and I'm like not very like the smell doesn't bother me. But、um, I had this white math teacher, and we brought him、um, durian candies. So not、mm-hmm. even like the fruit or anything, just the candy,、yeah. just to see like how he'd react.、Uh-huh. He literally like. Threw it up.、Oh, he, he, put, he, he ate it, and then、oh、he was like、goodness. trying to keep it down, and then it, it came up. I was like, "Wow!、Oh. Like, what a what a, what a... <laughs> strong <laughs> fruit." <laughs> and I feel like in Chinese culture, we、um, give fruits as presents a lot.、Mm. So、um, the oranges are like the epitome of.、Mm. Good health and wealth, or anything.、Mm-hmm. So whenever you go visit a family member, you bring them oranges.、Mm. Actually, the same in Kyrgyzstan. So、yeah. oranges are rare because they don't grow them there. They、mm-hmm. only import. And oranges are usually associated with like highest of holidays, like the New Year.、Mm-hmm. Uh, you usually get like a bag of oranges, and it's like a huge delicacy there.、Mm. <laughs> yeah, in Japan, it's also a custom to like bring something whenever you go to a friend's house or something. But you know, if it's like, like important, like if it's a gift for someone like that, you're not very accustomed to. You would bring like、mm-hmm. um, traditional Japanese snacks, like called wagashi, because、um, mm-hmm. they're just like a little more expensive, a little more luxury. <laughs> <laughs>、mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of like American things that、um, my family always brings back to China because they're like. Super high end for some reason in like China. Like what? Like Ferrero Rocher. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. some reason in China, they're like super popular <laughs>、uh-huh. and like or like good diet. Like, they're they're like after. Oh, it's like it's like expensive chocolates. I'm like no. Yeah. It's only fine. Yeah. And we have them at CVS selling for a couple bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whenever like I go back to Japan, we always bring、um, the Bath and Body Works hand soaps because there's just、mm. nothing like that in Japan. They're all like really like fresh smells, but they're very similar. And and here, you know, there's like the foaming ones, so, like they're really cute, like、yes. holiday edition <laughs> ones. And everyone's like, "Wow, they're so cute!" I'm like, "Yes, there's just just soaps, but <laughs> they're special ones." <laughs> yeah, I, I think in America,、uh, the culture really capitalizes on holidays. Mm-hmm. What are the product is they're always able to market into a certain holiday and it's seasonal. Just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very popular here for sure.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's definitely like I'm sure that in all of our cultures there's holidays that aren't celebrated in America at all. And sometimes I see on like Instagram of people celebrating like Japanese holidays. I'm like, I want to do that too. <laughs> What are one or two holidays? That you celebrate in Japan that's not really celebrated here. Well, something that's like the biggest、um, in my family, at least, is um, uh, well, the direct translation is like Girls' Day because in Japan we have、mm. a Children's、mm-hmm. Day, but that's mainly for the boys, and then there's a Girls' Day,、um, and the it's like tradition for、um, the women in the family to、um, 
get out these like dolls. They're called ohinasama, and then、um, to decorate to like、um, to take out the dolls, like because they only come out once a year during during that holiday. And then you would, you know, place them into into like the the specialized like the showcases and stuff. And then you would eat、um, chirashi zushi, which is kind of like、um, chirashi zushi. Like a direct translation is like scattered sushi. So it has、mm-hmm. the same、um, the the rice vinegar、um, like seasoned rice, but then there's like、uh, egg on top of it, and there's like the other like pickles and stuff. Blah blah blah. Um, you would like eat the specialized food for that trend, like for that tradition.、Um, it's just very special because you just get to have that bonding time while you like decorate and stuff. Wow.、Uh, you what about you, Kate? Definitely. No, it's not. I want to hear about Kyrgyzstan holidays. Shoot, I feel like we've been blabbering、uh, on about yeah, their culture so much. Uh, let's see, Kyrgyzstan holidays. Well, one of the biggest, biggest holidays that we celebrate a lot in Kyrgyzstan is May ninth.、Mm-hmm. This is probably top two, top three biggest holidays, and、uh, it's not just in Kyrgyzstan. It's all the、uh, post-Soviet countries that celebrate this day, primarily because it is associated with the Second World War, and May ninth is considered to be Victory Day. Against、uh, Germany at the time, and、uh, I have come to find out、uh, that in America, people are normally、uh, have not been as affected by the Second War,、uh, World War, as as much as the rest of the world, perhaps, and because of that huge impact in my culture,、uh, May Ninth has always been a very big holiday.、Um, Another holiday that we celebrate a lot more is March eighth, which is the、uh, Women's International Day.、Mm-hmm. And even as a kid,、uh, in my class, for example, all the boys、uh, were obligated to like bring gifts for、Aww. the、uh, female classmates.、Um, so like from time to time, we would get together with all the guys and like、uh, pitch in some money, try to figure out what we want to get for our、uh, classmates. Um, and we definitely put a lot more effort and emphasis on celebrating this day.、Um, beyond just the gifts and flowers, it's just、uh, us showing appreciation for women. We should have that in America.、Uh, I mean, it is an international holiday. It's not exclusive for Kyrgyzstan, but I think in America, it's not celebrated to the same level.、Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But on the contrary, there's another holiday where there's an equivalent for guys. Uh, it's February twenty third.、Hmm. Um, so the funny thing is that depend <laughs> depending on what kind of gifts the girls would get us in class for February twenty third、uh, for the men's holiday,、uh, we would kind of reciprocate for March eighth.、Oh. So like there would be kind of a balance. Uh-huh.、Um, uh huh. Okay. But I thought that was pretty interesting. I think Chinese. Holidays are pretty known now. Like Chinese New Year's is a huge one,、mm-hmm. and it's like a whole like a, a bunch. I don't remember exactly. It's either fourteen or eleven days. I'm really sorry, <laughs>、um, but it's、uh, all days leading up to that one day where there's like a specific thing you have to do every single day to prepare for New Year's.、Um, New Year's is always huge. They do like a bunch of festivals、mm-hmm. and everything, and I think it's like way more big of a deal than like American New Year's. 
Mm-hmm. And then there's also like a bunch of other like prominent holidays. I think um, we have we have the Dragon Boat Festivals is one thing. We also have Mid Autumn Festival where you celebrate like the full moon and um, you eat mooncakes. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's also like ancestral holidays. So like Qingmingjie is um, a whole day dedicated to like celebrating ancestors. Um, and then there's like fun ones too. Like I know there's um, a November 11th, which is 1111, is mm. Singles Day. So, oh, I've heard about that. So, <laughs> oh, wow. So for people not in relationship in China, they do like a bunch of like um, shopping like sales and like oh. food sales. Yeah. Yeah, it's unofficial, but a lot of people celebrate it, and it's fun. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, like, are there any social gatherings for this specific day? I imagine a lot of single people get together and potentially find yeah. partners. Yeah, I think uh, they do, like, festivals, shopping. I think it's, mm. it's like, known for shopping, but I think yeah. they do a lot of, like, clubs and bars, too. That's really cool. Uh, aside from holidays, I think another really cool thing about cultures, traditions, and customs. Um, for example, in Kyrgyzstan, uh, we have a lot of traditions that are not designated for a specific date of a calendar, but rather a, a life occasion. And one good example I can talk about is this tradition called Tusho Kesu. Essentially, when a baby makes their first steps, it's a huge, huge deal in my mm-hmm. culture and there's a whole celebration uh, for that occasion and every time a baby takes the first steps the family organizes a huge party and the the essence of the tradition is that a baby um, baby's legs are tied with rope Uh, there's black rope and white rope uh, representing good and evil and there's a race Uh, so like they'll gather all the teenagers they'll gather all the elders separately and uh, they literally race towards the baby from a designated distance. And whoever comes first, they take a, a special knife uh, and they uh, cut the ropes, essentially freeing the baby from uh, from the ropes and symbolizing that the baby just started walking. And also it's done for out of uh, a lot of symbolism, uh, good and bad, and allowing the baby to learn to walk faster. But essentially, uh, growing up, I, I did participate uh, in this tradition with my classmates, uh, not classmates, with my friends in the street. And uh, I remember uh, I ended up winning the race and it was a really cool thing for me to do because I got to uh, cut the rope for the baby. And I also kind of watched the baby grow up a little bit, which was kind of nice. Like I kind of developed a pretty special uh, relationship with the baby, even though like, the baby is not related to me at all just because <laughs> I was able to participate. Mm. And I think it's really cool when different cultures have these very niche traditions. Um, and I like them a little more uh, than holidays even sometimes because it's a lot more personal. Well, should we end with like one last blurb about why we love our countries and then we can end this episode? <laughs> sure, yeah. Let's do that. Okay, I'll go first because I love Japan. (laughs) 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 So I just love Japan because, oh, obviously, like the traditions are all so intricate and they've just been preserved 
for all these years, but also like the country is just so mesmerizing. Like there's so many pretty views and just so many activities to do. And like, you know, the new culture there is amazing. So everyone should visit Japan at least once in their life. <laughs> How about you, Caitlin? I love China. I've been Chinese my whole life. So I don't know anything else, and I love it a lot.、Um, I don't think I would say that I want to be anything else. And、um, we have great food. That's why Chinese food is everywhere. It is、um, everywhere. Great people.、Um, inventions from way long ago. Like,、mm-hmm. China's really old. <laughs>、uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd probably say the same thing about Kyrgyzstan. I really like the fact that it's such an ancient,、uh, I wouldn't even call it a country because as a country we gained independence in 1991. But the people of、mm-hmm. Kyrgyzstan, they have been around for the longest time. The city where I was born, Osh, is literally over 3,000 years old. Like, that's so old compared to most of the cities in the world. And, I'm just、mm-hmm. really fascinated by the history of Kyrgyz people because there's not a lot that you can learn in school. It really requires a lot of time to learn the true history of my people. And when I get older and have a little more time, I definitely plan to dedicate a lot more、uh, effort into finding more about my, my people, my history. And aside from that, people should visit Kyrgyzstan because we have incredible, incredible mountains. So,、mm-hmm. if you're like into winter sports, skiing,、um, snowboarding, Kyrgyzstan has one of the best locations in the world.、Mm. Oh, it's been a great episode talking about cultures. I feel like we could just go on and on if we try. But... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you, Caitlin, for being here today. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> And、We love you, Caitlin.、Yes. <laughs> Thank、I、you for you stopping by. Any time. Yes. Stay tuned for our next episode, and we'll see you guys. Bye. Bye bye.